welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Okay, Isaiah Swan, it's so good to have you as a guest today. So Isaiah Swan, thank you for having me. Yes, Isaiah Swan is a student in the medical sciences training program and cell and developmental biology graduate program at the University of Virginia. Originally from Marietta, Georgia, Isaiah completed a degree in neuroscience at the University of Texas at Dallas and a postgrad year at the Warren Center for Neuroscience Drug Discovery at Vanderbilt before arriving at UVA in 2021. Broadly, he is interested in neurology and expanding our understanding of basic cellular processes and neurons, such as how elements of the neuronal cytoskeleton contribute to axon, axon pathfinding and proper synapse formation. While passionate about research and medicine, he believes it's important to lead a fulfilled life outside of work. Swan enjoys spending his free time sampling local restaurants with friends, making music, watching reality TV shows, and exercising. So, wow, I mean, I have Isaiah Swan, MPHC student and one of the students representative on the NCAA Board of Governors. This is definitely an honor and a treat. So as we get started, what have been your longstanding interest in the field of science? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so kind of as long as I can remember, I've been very interested in knowing how things work. Um, and and I think for me, that ended up really kind of manifesting in, in middle school when I started going off to summer camps. And um, it was a science-specific summer camp. And I really wanted to know, like, you know, you know what? What is what is what is neuroscience? How how is science done in in the brain, in the spinal cord, in the nerves around the body? How does that work? And you know, from a very young age, I was very interested in in these questions, and that's kind of followed me obviously to this point. And so, I would say my long my longstanding interests are for the most part really in neuroscience, and you know. How do neurons actually function? How do they, you know, find their correct synaptic partners? Like, how do they make yep. their connections? Um, how are they injured in different disease states? So for me, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I grew up kind of with a number of neurological diseases in my proximity with, with, with different family members having those things. And I wanted to know kind of how that works. And, you know, as I got older and studied in these classes, I really started to realize that for the most part, we don't really have a super great handle on the, the, the origin of a lot of these diseases. And yeah, so that's kind of my, yeah, so that's kind of my interest just broadly is understanding, you know, how these disease processes work. And then eventually um, I'd like to kind of, oh, for treatment. you know, contribute to, yeah, exactly. Contribute to treatments. Yeah, 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 that's good. So the words they use, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the MDPhD student, I'm the PharmD student. So the word they use is, in terms of origin is etiology, correct? And then mm-hmm. in terms of unknown etiology is idiopathic. So yeah, I did my, yep. my master's thesis on cardiolipin and its role in neurodegenerative diseases. 
Um, so okay. I'll be happy to discuss that as we progress throughout this. Uh, yeah. So how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? How do you keep perspective when you encounter challenges? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, and that can be, that can be very difficult. And, and it was something that was really difficult for me, especially as I, um, you know, entered the final, final stages of, of, of undergrad. And then also, uh, during my first year of medical school, it was really difficult for me to kind of see that big picture because I was uh-huh. so bogged down with classes and like, you know, learning various processes, like where do T cells come from? Like that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, immunology and is so, very, 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 very vast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, and so for me, it got, I, it was, it was so difficult, you know, to just to, to look up and, and look around me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a really, great family that you know even when I was having a very difficult time just kind of reaching out to them um and and just taking time away from my studies to to call them they would be reaching out to me and I think that you know those are that's that's one like critical way that I really kind of helped you know maintain that bigger view because they're they're my why right like they're they're why I do what I do why Uh fundamentally Uh I'm interested in these diseases and so for me, you know, reaching out to family, talking to them whenever, especially whenever I'm going through something difficult, that's uh-huh. sort of how I kind of maintain that kind of bigger picture, um, that bigger picture uh, view. Yeah, so, so relationships, I completely agree with that because I yeah. think I would even venture to say that reaching out to family members and friends and close relatives is a part of self-care. I think self-care mm-hmm. is very important because no one else is going to care for you per se. You have to care for you absolutely, and as best as you know how. So absolutely. how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science? Um, you talk about your passion for neurology. So what particular diseases strike your interest? Are you uh, along the path of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Boston's, ALS, all those others, or MS? Are you along the path? And um, what I mean by that is, there are a lot of basic cellular processes that mm-hmm. go awry due to factors that for the most part, we don't really understand very well. And I'm interested in understanding those factors in all these different diseases, whether that be Parkinson disease, uh, yeah. Huntington disease, which, uh-huh. which has a genetic component, right? Uh, multiple sclerosis, yeah. right? All, all of these things. And, and so I think, you know, generally, I'm, I'm very interested in all of these kind of neurodegenerative diseases, but I'm also okay. interested. Yeah, I'm also very interested in in uh, concussion. So I think you mentioned okay, okay. that I, I think you mentioned that I have a role on the NCAA Board of Governors, which is uh-huh. one of the, if not the highest governing body in the association. And mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to figure out ways, you know, to kind of synergize my my love for sport with, you know, my my passion for research and i've been thinking a lot about you know how to do that in the on the medical side and on the research side and one thing that is huge in sports right now especially is concussion and traumatic brain injury uh-huh. and it turns out it turns out that that intersects very nicely with uh what i study uh which are intermediate filaments in neurons and sort of how mm-hmm. those processes might be affected and uh, contribute to pathologies following a traumatic brain injury, uh, or could contribute to recovery following traumatic brain injury. So that, that's sort of, that's sort of, uh, 
my my kind of broad interests in 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 the field of neuroscience and neurology um and i also think that kind of helps me to stay um really adaptive and and also creative is really just looking at the different areas of my life and seeing uh-huh. where i can find common ground uh to help kind of synergize um in those areas and help kind of push push the field forward wherever um wherever i can wow, wow this this is all i feel like i'm being inspired as i talk to you this is good um so <laughs> what you. have been your most effectful effective and impactful ideas to date what ideas would you say you've contributed to or you have helped to create or start what would you say uh what would you say is uh one idea or some ideas that you think have been effective and impactful that you've been told mm-hmm. about, even when it comes to your learning in medical school? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one, one, one thing, and, and, and I don't know that this, this might be kind of a tangential answer to the question, because I wouldn't necessarily say that I've had a really hugely impactful idea yet okay. um, in science. But, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, I always like hearing from my classmates in med school and in, in different research classes is that I ask uh, kind of good questions or questions that make people think about stuff. Um, okay. And, and I really, I do appreciate that. I appreciate hearing that because I think, I think it's important that, you know, that we all think about sort of the, 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 the why underlying a lot of the information that we learn, if that makes sense. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Kind of, kind of questioning, uh, all of the things, all of the things that we hear about and, and, and that we learn in a classroom on a slide. Um, I, I think, I think it's just important to kind of sit back and, 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 and ask those questions. And so that's kind of, I would say that that's one way that I've been kind of impactful or have had kind of impactful ideas just by asking questions. Um, but I, you know, obviously I'm very early on in my career. So am and I. so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've had a, <laughs> a crazy impactful idea, although I'm chasing down kind of some leads right now, uh, as far as my research goes, that could be impactful uh, if it works out. But obviously it's way too early to know. So. Yeah. And I was encouraged. I don't know what the project is on. Um, so what's your project on? What's your project on? Yeah. Yeah. So currently uh, I study intermediate filaments and neurons and uh-huh. intermediate filaments are named that way because they fall in size between actin or microfilaments and uh-huh. microtubules, which are kind of the larger filaments that, that everybody uh, really seems to care about. And okay, okay. the interesting, the interesting property that sets intermediate filaments apart from actin and microtubules is that uh-huh. they have, uh, you know, a plethora of, of genes dedicated to their, um, their formation. And, and, and owing to these, these various genes, there are multiple isoforms that really each cell will express multiple isoforms, multiple different versions of uh-huh. these proteins that different cells will express. And we don't exactly know why, um, but we do know that they, that they do do something. And, and, and so that's kind of where my project falls. And it's figuring out of the, of the intermediate filament proteins that are expressed in neurons, you know, which ones are present when during development of the neuron and also what are they doing? And obviously that's a huge, huge question, uh, but that's what I'm trying to answer uh, through my work currently. Wow, that's, that's very interesting, dude. The power of differentiation, eh? 
how cell differentiation yeah like yeah how different cells have different responsibilities so the proteins function in different ways even if they may come from the same gene or they may be parallel so right. um what how do you find the right environment for you to scientifically and intellectually you are a very outgoing young person and i thought it was very uh commendable to see the progress that you're making so how do you find the right thank environment you. for yourself yeah yeah thank you um so i think so to kind of rewind i my my very first experience in research was in uh, um the let's see Weinschenker lab at Emory University uh, oh, okay. in 2015, that? 2015, okay. 2015 at Emory. And okay. I was a high school student doing summer research and it was, it was amazing. Um, okay. But I had a really great, I had a really, really great mentor. Okay. Um, and I think that that made all the difference for me, you know, like he, he really fostered mm-hmm. a very, um, uh, just a great environment that was, that was very supportive um, allowed me to fail, um, but, mm-hmm. but you know, forced me, forced, yeah, exactly, fell forward, take lessons from the failures that I made. And so kind of, you know, starting with that experience, moving forward, the various different labs that I joined, I tried to look for, you know, where were there solid mentors who would allow me to, as you said, fail forward um, and, and, and ultimately, you know, be successful in, in, in studying what I want to study and, and, mm-hmm. and learning how to do good science because that's the stage that I'm at right now, right? Is learning how to do good science. Yeah, dude, and here. yeah. And, and, and so for me, uh, you know, I was a little fortunate because owing to some of my kind of undergrad, basically owing to my schedule, I had to, you know, do summer kind of internships away from my university um, oh. and have sort of shorter research experiences uh-huh. and because of that I got to like I got to <laughs> I got to experience so many different lab cultures and so you know from each of those experiences I just grabbed the uh, little parts that I liked and mm-hmm. I carried that with me and looked for a lab that had something like that and I've been very blessed to end up in a lab uh, the Winkler lab here at the University of Virginia that is just incredibly supportive has fantastic people um, and, you know, ultimately allows me to thrive um, wow, in, in many different ways. Yeah, I don't have to really listen to this because I feel like I'm being motivated to continue with what I'm doing. So, yeah, dude, this is good. So, how do you maintain mm-hmm. a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments? Or a better way to put this would be, how do you maintain work-life integration? You have a lot of responsibilities on your plate. I think it's commendable mm-hmm. that you're doing them well. But how do you maintain you. work-life integration? Yeah, I think that's a that's a tough one. You know, I, I feel like I feel like I have ebbs and flows where I feel very, very balanced. And then there are other times where I feel like I have no balance at all and I have like no yeah. control over my schedule. And it can oh, be man. tough. I think, oh. you know, I, I think I think it's very much I think a huge kind of piece when things are working for me is that I feel like I have control over my time as far as when I am doing something, I don't allow myself to get interrupted by my various other responsibilities, right? I, I'm putting all of my attention into that one thing until it's done. And then I'm shifting my priority to something else. And I'm doing that task. And then I'm and then I'm and then I'm done. And then, you know, of course, you know, the biggest thing is really just making sure that you're giving yourself enough rest, right? 
I think that that's uh-huh. key for, for balance, whether that's sleep or just generally taking breaks and time off to do things that uh, kind of energize you and, and feed you. So I think, you know, when things are working for me, that's, that's, uh, those are kind of the keys, but, you know, I think, I think I'd be lying to you if I said that I feel like I have a super balanced life. Okay, Isaiah. So what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think kind of going back to something I alluded to earlier, you know, I, I always wondered, you know, how people were so good at multitasking because uh-huh. I would always struggle. I would always struggle with that. And, you know, one thing that one of my mentors told me was that, you know, people don't really, people who are good at multitasking aren't necessarily multitasking, right? They've just gotten very mm-hmm. good at shifting priorities. And okay, okay. Okay. that was huge for me because it, you know, that's why I stopped trying to do everything at the same time and why I decided, you know, I really need to be mentally present for this one task and then I'll be take a break. Then I'll be mentally present for this next task and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And I think, I think that that's a huge piece of advice, um, that, that I found very beneficial. Um, and then another piece of advice I got was actually, you know, back in, back when I was an undergrad, I was at an NCAA meeting, I was at a conference and I was talking with, um, I was talking with someone. I don't remember exactly what his role was, but okay. I think he might have been in, he might have been an athletic director. Don't I don't remember exactly, but I remember talking to him and he was doing all these different things around the association, had all these different roles. And I was so impressed. And I just remember, you know, I remember telling him kind of the situation I was in where I wanted to do, uh, you know, more with the association. But I was kind of unsure of whether that was allowed or I was not really sure of, you know, as far as my class schedule, like just forward whenever I felt kind of anxiety about an opportunity, opportunity that was coming up, I would just, I would just say yes. And I would, and I would, I would do it. And, you know, obviously you need to take care of your mental and your physical health. And if this is going to interfere with those things, then, then don't do them. But if you're Uh ever worried about whether you can handle a task, I think you should just jump in and you shouldn't be afraid to kind of take that step because the odds are very, very high that, you know, you'll be successful in whatever you do, or, or at least you'll learn something from that experience. Oh, and yeah. that, that was kind of, that was kind of a huge thing for me, you know, just, just saying yes to things, to more things, uh-huh. accepting more responsibility as they come up. I think, uh-huh. I think that that's kind of, I think that's huge. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you, Isaiah, because this is the thing, you know, of course, like you said, you want to put caveats on this and that you make sure you mind yourself, your wellness, your, mental health, mm-hmm. you know, academic potential and progress. You want to make sure you mind all those thoughts. But it's very important for you to, like, not get caught up in the paralysis of analysis or get caught up in your fear of the what if, to the point where right. you don't act and take on responsibilities and opportunities that could really serve your benefit. So case in point, um, like, even the podcast, like, starting a podcast, there's so many questions that you in your mind. Uh, do I want to do this? Do I have the time to do this? Um, will mm-hmm. I be able to get guests? Uh, there are lots of doubts and questions and things that you are concerned or curious about that loom in your mind. But you know, at one point, you just have to step out, do it, and it becomes an act of faith and an act of hope in that you are pursuing this so that you're able to help people. 
But yeah, the right. is very, very important. Very important for you to act and not just get caught in the what if or the potential, Absolutely. yeah, things that could happen. So, um, as we conclude, um, what advice would you give to someone who says, who looks at Isaiah and says, are they, they are almost a lot for words? And what you're doing, MDPHP plus the part of the NCAA board of governors of the student recognizing. What would you say to someone who looks at your heart and she's actually so far and says, Yeah, I want to uh, be like you, uh, I want to do you know, what you're doing? But uh-huh. it is very rewarding, and mm. you know, I, I, I definitely think it's worth it for me. You know, I, you know, just the way that I look at you know these degrees is I, I see an MD as allowing me to use the current tools available, like the the best possible tools available right now to treat and to heal people. And I view a PhD as, you know, being involved in the creation of knowledge and and the development of tools for the future that can be used Mm -hmm. to to treat disease and to help people. And I would say that anybody that is interested in both of those phases, um, you know, look into an MD PhD. and, and and consider consider pursuing it. You know, I think I you know I think it's worth it. I think um, for the people who are already know that they that they want to enter the field, I think you know demonstrating a and this is free game for for application season, but demonstrating a commitment to to research is huge. Uh, demonstrating uh, you know a passion for for answering questions that that people might not have even thought of yet, or you know, questions that are that, that seem super kind of far reaching. I, I think I think that that's kind of a, a critical thing. Um, but you know, I you know, I would say jump in with confidence. Like, mm-hmm. you know, after all, like it's it's such a it, it's a it's a it, it's a path that can grind you down. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, or mm-hmm. if you don't, I would advise that you you develop that system and, and feed and nurture that system. But you know, having those support systems are really going to help you to thrive um, when you're dealing with the adversities of medical school and and of kind of grad school. Um, yeah, that, that's I think that's generally the advice uh, that I would give, and I'd also just say good luck. Okay. Yeah, dude. But anyway, Isaiah, thank you so much for joining me today. It is so good, and it was so good to have you on as a guest.